0: Welcome back to the podcast. Before getting into the content for today, I just want to address a couple corrections. Uh, First of all, there is a documentary that my guest, Dr. Tina Coopersmith, mentions. I incorrectly referred to it as the Dawn Wall. The actual documentary that uh, she was referring to was called Free Solo, uh, I would recommend both. They're actually both super interesting documentaries. So just a quick correction there. And secondly, I mentioned that in World War One, the percentage of casualties for the French was like 50%. Uh, in actuality, the number of casualties that the French forces took was around 73%. Uh, so yeah, just want to make a couple corrections to that. Uh, And I also, um, I got to stop talking with my hands so much. So I accidentally hit my mic two times. So it sounds like total crap. So I apologize for that. I couldn't edit that out um, in a way that worked. So I'm sorry, you have to listen to me uh, bitch slap my microphone two times. Uh, So (laughs) apologies for that. Um, I know these corrections probably sound super random, uh, but Tina and I got into just, it was such an excellent conversation. We got into so many different topics. It was a ton of fun, super interesting, and I know that you're going to love it. So in context, the corrections um, and the things that we talk about, they do make total sense. Uh, but yes, you will also find that in the episode description, there is a link to the erotic blueprint quiz, which is basically the focus for today's podcast. I would highly recommend that you take it. It's, a, it's super interesting. It's a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, here we go with the show. Thank you so much. Welcome back to the Mysteria Podcast. I am Marcus De Silva, and today I am super excited. Uh, Well, I'm always excited, but particularly excited for today because we're going to talk about a subject that I wanted to talk about immediately after starting the podcast. And a year and a half later, we finally get around to it. So that's just sometimes the way it goes. But so, yeah, so the topic for today uh, well, actually I'll do a little backtrack. So I, when I was about 19, I was listening to a podcast. Uh, I don't even think it's actually published anymore, but it was called the truth barrel and it was hosted by, uh, Neil Strauss who wrote, uh, the game, the truth, uh, the Motley crew biography, the dirt is, so he's a really, really great writer, New York times, bestseller, a uh, whole bunch of times over. And his co-host is Gabby, or was Gabby Reese, who's a really, really interesting woman, athlete, really uh, great speaker. Just love, love listening to these two. And the, the premise of their show was that they would invite, I'm pretty sure, was that they would invite someone and they would record the podcast in a sauna. And I guess that was sort of part of the experience was that you'd have all these different guests. And they had some really, really cool guests. And one of them. And I hope this is right, because this is what my memory is telling me how I first heard about this. So we're going to we're just going to run with it. Um, One of their guests was a woman uh, by the name of Miss Jaya, and she is a somatic sexologist. And she came on to talk about her work. And I guess the the crux of it is known as the erotic blueprints, and these have to do with. Uh, i suppose you know intimacy communication and sex kind of all wrapped in one and it talked about these five different blueprints and basically how that relates to communication and actual engage you know engaging in, in actual intercourse what gets people going what do people respond to mm-hmm. and so as a 19 year old kid it was very interesting uh basically because jaya i mean she's just excellent at articulating this information. And it's, and especially when you uh, take the quiz yourself, then it gets very interesting and you get a bit of a breakdown and you get to read about these different blueprints. And so, yeah, it's quite a, quite a fascinating thing. And also, you know, at the time, I think we've kind of come, I think we've come decently far, Um, still a, a ways to go as far as communicating this stuff. Um, you know, it used to be very taboo. I still think it is kind of taboo, um, yeah. you know, just based on talking to people that I know. It's it's one of those things that people kind of get a bit uh, puckered up about. <laughs> um, but that's why I got a good show, because now we can talk about these things and, and have a really nice long form discussion on it. And so that leads me to today's guest, Dr. Tina Cooper-Smith. And The way that we got introduced was my booking agent reached out to Miss Jaya. Hey, you want to do the podcast? She said, I like the idea. I'm a bit busy right now, but I can get you someone who would be excellent for you. And so that's how uh, Tina and I got introduced. And so I'm really excited to have you on today. And we're going to get into, uh, and the cool thing about what you do is that you're taking these blueprints and you're kind of taking them. Not necessarily in a different direction, but you're applying them in a way that is not immediately apparent, um, which is very exciting stuff. And so without further ado, uh, I will introduce uh, officially Dr. Tina Coopersmith. Thanks for having
1: me. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, The, the blueprint stuff, just like you were at 19, like, how cool that you were 19. Cause I was 50 something, you know, I don't even want to say how old when my light bulb went off. Like, Oh, I wish I had known this when, so, yeah. And to me, this is, there's, it's, there's so much more than just how to have sex. Eroticism yeah. is about pleasure and we all pleasure and wellness is our birthright. We are all on this planet to be healthy well-beings but most of us don't know that and we're stuck. And the medical community is one blueprint. It's the bottom line. A medical (laughs) blueprint was designed only by one blueprint and we left out all the other blueprints. So my my passion is to teach the blueprints and to expand healthcare, to treat all, all four of our bodies basically. And through, you know, the. There are five blueprints, but there are four bodies. The fifth blueprint just can access pleasure from all four of the blueprints, but needs to access pleasure from all four. So,
0: anyway, so excited to be here. And so, with that, I think before getting into the the blueprint stuff, I think it'd be great just to hear, uh, you know, your backstory a little bit. You, you know, you you come from a, a medical background. And, uh, you know, just tell us a little bit about that. Like your, your, what do you do for a living?
1: Yeah. Let's just say, uh, I am like the Western medical system incarnate since birth as my dad was a surgeon. So, and like the classic black and white sexual blueprint that you'll, we'll talk about later. But so I grew up in a household that everything was Western medicine. Everything else was hokey pokey psychiatry. My mom's best friend's husband was a psychiatrist and my father thought that was complete hokey pokey garbage you know there was no mind body connection in my house it was all the body right so I grew up in that and then I went to undergrad med school at Duke um, and I became a gynecologist and moved cross country and did my OBGYN training at the LA County which at the time I want to say we delivered like one in 16 babies in the country like We were doing a hundred deliveries a day. I mean, it was insane, insane, Um, but so fun for me, seriously, really fun. And um, so I did OBGYN and then I did reproductive endocrine, which means I'm a fertility doc. Um, And I do gynecology and fertility doctoring and IVF, all that stuff. And then along the way, um, somewhere along the way, something was missing in my life. Right. And um, I was, everything was perfect on the outside. I was married, I had three kids. My kids are amazing. They were involved in everything. I was involved in all their stuff. I was busy at work, but just, I don't know. It was like, I had, it was like, I lost my passion for living. I was going through the motions and very busy and life was fine. But the joie de vivre was gone and I didn't know what it was. And um, so I went back to school because that's what I do. So I went back and got, did integrative medicine fellowship. First, I did sports training. I did, I became a sports trainer. That was like online, you know, I'll do that because I was into sports. And, um, but in the middle of my integrative medicine fellowship, we had a, um, we're in, have on a retreat together and there's a wise old lady. She was probably like four foot 11, ancient, ancient, wise Chinese lady, acupuncturist. And, you know, who wants to volunteer at the front of the room? Fix my back pain, whatever. And all acupuncturists, they start with your tongue, right? You stick your tongue out. And she's like, you lost your chi. And I was like, what? And she's like, you have no chi left. You lost your chi. And I was like, wow, I wonder what she means by that. I have so much in my life. But then I realized like I was missing that, that the excitement for life, that passion that it, especially for me who always had it. So needless to say, I went on more, more retreats. I finished integrative medicine. I did functional medicine. I left my spouse of 30 years, said, let me try living on my own. I'd never been on my own. Um, and when I was on my own, then I did women's retreats. And then I heard about Jaya speak and she gifted me a free seat to her Path to Passion weekend. And it was like the light bulbs went off. Oh, I don't even know myself. And my husband and I were speaking two different languages for 35 years. We didn't know how to communicate. And I didn't know how, I didn't know what lit me up. I certainly didn't know how to communicate it. I didn't know I had four bodies because I lived in my body body. And I think I had dissociated, seriously had a lot of dissociation from my mind body, my emotional body, and totally my energetic body. I mean, I remember being in integrative medicine and they talked about the energetic body and I was like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Like we were doing some woohoo energetic stuff and I was like, okay, I'm going to stand here I even did, um, I did a healing touch weekend. So I'm certified as a level one healing touch practitioner because I did that for a week. And the, the assistant was like, you have so much energy. Do you know, do you feel it? Do you? I you?" like, I don't know. I'm just doing what you're telling me to do, you know? Um, but Jaya's work put it together. It like made sense. And I finally understood sort of myself people around me I go to work now and people's like I'm talking to patients and I'm like oh you're an energetic I get it oh you're essential oh you're a physical this is what like and you just start seeing and then when you feed it back to them their light bulbs go off and I'm like oh did you ever notice that your mom did this and da, 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 and she hit all your buttons and it was like oh so yeah it's been really eye-opening and now I just want to change the healing world so that people understand how to heal us
0: and and so for you then like getting into you know you kind of you changed your your lifestyle pretty significantly and then you you discovered you know Jaya's work and then that's kind of you the the wheels start turning and you go okay okay and so what about it? Um, well, actually, probably this is actually probably a good point. Um, we should probably say what they are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so point, yeah. so I'll
1: explain I'll explain the four bodies as I start to see it. And then I'll explain the blueprint. So the way I see it in, in um we we have a mind body, a heart body, a physical body, which is actually ruled by our gut brain. The mind body is ruled by the mind body. Right? We have a gut brain, and then we have this energetic body. And we as humans, all physical particles are actually energy. There's, you could do some slit, you could go online to YouTube and look up these slit technique things, but protons, you know, smallest little thing of an atom behaves more like a wave than a particle in fancy experiments. So as a human being, we're actually like a cell phone tower. And we are taking in every all these waves that are thrown at us. Vision, light waves, hearing, sound waves, smell, right? All our senses are taking in someone's touch. It's a touch receptor. It's their energy. Someone's vibe, the vibe they're giving off, right? You walk in a room and you feel good vibes or bad vibes. We're taking all that in 24-7 around us. And it's our energetic body that's like taking it in. Our physical body then actually senses all, like the the electrons are moving because we have all these waves actually hitting us, right? So imagine you're in the middle of the ocean and all the waves are hitting you. That's what's happening to our body. All these waves are hitting us and our physical body is feeling it. Our heart rate, does it go up? Does it go down? Our breath, does it go up? Does it go down? The muscles, do they tighten or relax, right? Stomach, does, do your bowels go upside down in topsy-turvy or are they relaxed, right? So your physical body is literally reacting to all the energy that your energy body just took in. Your heart brain then feels whatever you feel physically and goes, oh, I recognize that. That's fear. No, that's excitement. That's boredom that it gives, you know, it feels it. And then once it feels it, the mind gives it a story. And then your mind has a thought. So then you have a thought and that's its own electric potential and its own wave that it then sends down into the rest of your body. And you have another emotion related to your thought, which then changes your physical body, which then changes the vibe that you give off to others and on and on and on it goes. Right? So the erotic blueprints are, and it's all of this is communicated through our nervous system, right? Our parasympathetic nervous system, rest, digest, relax, and reproduce. Our sympathetic nervous system, fight flight, fight or flight, freeze or fawn, okay? And they're, they're always doing the dance, right? Constantly dancing. So what the blueprints are, which what Jaya came up with and described is How our nervous system perceives pleasure is unique to us, but there are five archetypes. So the energetic blueprint lights up anticipation, tease, longing, slow, quiet, barely touching, you know, just feathery touches or not touching. These are people who you can, play with their energy body they feel the energy body they can have orgasms without touching literally there someone is moving energy all around them and their body starts lighting up on fire just totally out of the you know their superpower they can get lit up without any touch and it's the waiting and the longing And they need the waiting and the longing. If you come in too close too fast, short-circuited, they're out of their body, they're back in their energy body, their shields are up. It's like literally they can't now. If you want to have an orgasm or you want to have pleasure, you really have to be in your parasympathetic relax and you know, the relax mode. You have to feel completely safe. So imagine if these people have very sensitive energy bodies and you you just stand too close. Literally they're putting up shields and they're totally in their sympathetic fight or flight. And they're never going to relax into their body and get turned on, whether it's um, like physically turned on or like, Ooh, I want to listen to you. I want to like come in close. Right. So, um, they need slowness. They take them longer to make decisions. Right. Imagine a couple is together and I was thinking about this this morning on my summit and, you know, she wants to sit in every car in every car dealership. Right. And her husband is like, we've already sat in three cars. Let's buy this one. What's wrong with it. We'll get white. We'll get black. And she's like, no, I need to feel a few more cars. I'm not sure it's the right car. You know, I got to, I I have to sleep on it and I got to try some more. Right. So She's not going to be happy if she gets a car, the first car, right? She's, so that's the energetic and superpower, pleasure to the max. They can go and transcend and have altered states um, because they really can connect with spirit in a lot of ways, um, but they short circuit really easily if you come in too close. Then there's the sensual and most people, kind of define women this way but again women may not all be sensuals women might be energetic sexual kinky or shapeshifter but sensuals get lit up by their senses their eyes their ears their nose their mouth their touch they too can have non-genital orgasms you take a foodie out to dinner at a five-star restaurant they're sated they are like oh my god that was the best wine ever and that chocolate at the end of the meal and the presentation and the candles, like that was divine. I was in heaven. They And when everybody else is going, yeah, it was nice. Let's go home now and party. And they literally, their body is so on fire, right? They are orgasmic. You could see a sunset or a sunrise or a beautiful scene in nature. And that is a turn on, right? They like skin to skin contact, really good massage. They like good touch, um, not too hard, not too soft. Just they got to know you're there. They got to feel your touch. They got to smell you, right? Um, and that you taste you and all that. They need their senses on fire. 100%. They need to relax and have just the right environment to be able to let go and be in their relaxed state to have sex and to have pleasure. I mean, they could have sex without it, but they're not going to have the pleasurable experience as if they're relaxed. So again, this is the standard, you know, what I was taught in med school, right? Women need, men need a place. Women need a reason. That was what I was taught about sex and how women are different. And I was taught, Men, it's desire or, you know, desire, arousal, orgasm, and women were a circle, desire and arousal go back and forth. And so they desire may lead to arousal, but arousal can leads to desire. And certainly in the sensual, right, they're going to be aroused by all things sensual. So you, all you sexuals out there, and we're getting to you, if you're a guy and you're, and your girl is essential, remember those candles. They're not superfluous. The satin sheets, the gentle massage, you know, the right food, you know, don't take her to a pizza restaurant, right? Pizzeria is like that, unless she's really into it, right? But they need that to relax. Now they get short circuited too. We all have our shadows. Every blueprint has a shadow. If the environment is not right, Everything gets shut off, so they could be in the middle of having sex. They're like ecstatic, and they notice a sock on the floor, and it's not like the perfect clean environment. Or the sheet gets rumpled, or the you know the the uh, the comforter somehow is sitting funny against them. And all of a sudden, they're out of their body and into the annoying environment. And so they really need the beautiful environment, all their senses lit up, but it's gotta be perfect, right? So that's the central. And I think about that as the heart body, right? They are so in tune to their emotions. They're feeling it all and feeling it. They want that love, right? Um, sexual, it's just what it sounds. Sex, how else isn't sex sex? It's a vagina, it's a penis. You have sex, you have an orgasm, it's black and white. Get naked. We're we're gonna have sex. You're supposed to get naked, right? An energetic needs a striptease. The sexuals, like, well, you take your clothes off already, right? They they're speaking two different languages, right? And um again, classically, we say guys are sexual, girls are sensual, but that's just not true. And so Jaya tells the story of her and her and her lover, Ian, and he was a sensual and she was a sexual and she'd been pregnant and, you know, you can't have sex after the baby. And then you were pregnant all the, and she's dying to have sex. And she would like, come to, you know, come to the bed and like, Hey, let's have sex. And she'd get naked. And he'd like, eh, you know, he'd roll over. And it wasn't until she kind of came to this awareness, they were having trouble in their relationship, which actually led her to this awareness. She'd been a sexologist in a um, for so many years. The minute she kept her clothes on and did a massage and got the right environment and went slower, Ian was essential and he needed to have be relaxed in his senses um, for it all to unfold. And then they've been together ever since and the, now they play in all their blueprints and all that. And that's the other thing um, as we go on it's not really static. Your nervous system can change because your nerves can, you know, your whole body can change. One thought changes everything, right? We can learn, we can adapt. So I think people probably have an individual signature, but it's fluid. And especially in our American culture, it doesn't talk about sex. We just get shown porn and sex in movies without talking about it. And so we don't, ever get a primary education and we certainly don't get a secondary education and for me my blueprint changed with one day at jaya like my guard went down and i i couldn't find my first blueprint so i just took the test again and i all of a sudden went from i think a central to a shapeshifter because i had no inhibitions anymore and i realized oh i like that and that and that and that and i um so let's move on so sexual is all about sex right It's, and you got to have an orgasm for a sexual. If you have two hours of incredible lovemaking, but one of the two doesn't orgasm, a sexual feels like the entire two hours was a waste. They're so goal oriented and they're so black and white. If you don't have sex, like you can have oral sex, like right, Bill Clinton, that wasn't sex, right? What's, what is the definition of sex? So to a sexual blueprint, right? Sex is penis and vagina and that's it, you know? And, oh, I didn't do that. So I didn't have sex, right? I grew up in the Western, you know, Western medicine, Western, body. I believe Bill Clinton. Like he didn't have sex. When I was young, you know, I would fool around with guys, but no, I couldn't have sex because then I was still a virgin, right? The things I did while I was still a virgin, right? So it's, it's all in the definition. So sexuals are all very, they're very black and white and it's all about that physical body, right? They can, but again, they're, they're, their shadow is it gets stuck, it is, that's all it is. All the other stuff, they need sex. It's air, food and water for them. They can't like, I'll go and have, you know, a beautiful sunset, an amazing meal, the perfect music, you know everything and i'm sated and oh if i have sex too it's icing on the cake if they have all that and there's no orgasm at the end of the me, at the end of the night the day was a waste like it was there was they didn't feel the pleasure without the release they have such a limited definition so energetic sensual sexual kinky Now kinky's the fun one, right? Who liked Fifty Shades of Grey? I did, right? Like, oh my God, that guy who wrote the the book was better than the movie. It was amazing. So Fifty Shades of Grey appeals to kink. Now, kinky in the way we use it in the Jaya world, it's anything that happens to be taboo or naughty for you. So a lot of people, especially in America, grow up with, you know, sex is bad, Don't talk about sex. Don't have sex before you're married. You know, missionary position, lie there and take it. Like, that's what sex is. It's all for procreating, not for pleasure. So if they have sex before marriage, that can be such a turn on for anybody with a little bit of kink. If they have sex not in the bedroom or not in the missionary position, that can be a total turn on for someone who's kinky. So it doesn't have to be that you go to a dungeon and have BDSM and sacks, okay? Now, a lot of people might like that and or I should say a lot of kinks may like that because they're pushing their edges and kinky people like to push your edges and do things that are a little bit naughty, taboo. You know, I think if, you know, if we had a, a kink dungeon on every street corner like a Starbucks coffee, the kinkies wouldn't like it anymore. If everyone was doing it they'd find something else that would no longer be fun because what's fun for them is that it's hidden and it's different. And right.
0: The king so, would be uh, just regular, the most boring. Then that Correct. Would
1: be- it might be like, how long can we have more boring sex? Can we do it for an entire week? You know, they love, those are your, the, the kinks are your creatives. They're the disruptors. They love role play. Right. So people, they'll often. I, I always, when I'm teaching this, I talk about the modern family. Um, there was a modern family episode where, um, oh my God, Claire and her husband, they went to um, a hotel and pretended they didn't know each other and to go take a room. And they, that's what a kinky, that's, what, you know, they were having fun in that kink role, like let's play a role. People who wear costumes or play with, um, you know, and, and dominant and submissive is um, also misunderstood. The way we were taught is a dominant is there to make sure the sub is, can 100% relax into their own body. It's not for pain. It is, can I hold space for you? So you know you don't have to do anything but receive. And I'm going to bring you to ecstasy. And you don't have to worry about me and making me happy, right? So that's a really good dom-sub thing. But And there are a lot of people who the only way to relax is actually sort of to be tied up and say, no, you're not allowed to help me, you know? This is for you. So again, um, they love role play. There's physical kink and psychological kink. So in the psychological kink world, you can be texting back and forth, right? I want you to wear X kind of clothes, be at the curb at five o'clock, make sure this is what you're wearing, make sure you've packed this in your bag, we're going on a date, you know, and and you're given sort of an adventure date, but you're given instructions. And that can very much, the, the kink world can play with that a lot right? Um, They can play with, I'm going to control you for a week and I'm going to tell you what to do for a week, right? And it has nothing to do with physical play, right? I get to be in control for a week. You can be in control next week or not, right? So they're always playing. They can get stuck and in their fetishes, their shadow is they get stuck. The only way they can have You know, an orgasm is yellow raincoat holding an umbrella, standing on a street corner, like something outrageous, but all of a sudden, that's the only way that they can do it. So they can get stuck there and have little fetishes about how to get pleasure. And they're often shamed, right? They think their way is not the normal way. So there's something wrong with them and they could be very much shamed about it. Um, I think the younger folks are much better with that than we are because lot there's a lot more that's acceptable nowadays, but a lot of shame, especially coming out of religious cultures and being told that sex is bad. And not only do I want sex, but I want it in a way that is very non-traditional. And that can be scary for people. They think there's something very wrong with them. And so it's really important. To um, to heal that and to make them know this is just who you are, right? And it you know may have come from some of your upbringing of where you got rewards and punishment as a kid, right? Did you get ice cream or amazing dinners when you got rewarded? The sensual might have been you know why you love that, and if, if instead love came in a different way and you got rewarded when you did things that maybe were naughty or you got punished when things, when you did things that were naughty, but your punishers were the people who loved you. So you have this, so how it develops, you know, anybody's guess, but it's very much living in the mind body, I think. And yet having to, again, connect the mind body to the physical body, right? These are people who fantasize during sex or love fantasies in general. They write you're the erotica, right? They're the ones that are helping us. Um, And they write, they're Hollywood, I mean, pure and simple. There's a, I'm sure a lot of kinks, even if they don't know their kinks in Hollywood, writing the movies, right? And then you get the shapeshifter. That's the fifth blueprint. And the shapeshifter, basically their nervous system can access pleasure through all the different blueprints. So they get turned on, energetic, eye gazing, really feeling spirit, feeling into you, total intimacy. They also love when their senses are turned on and they're lit up Sex is great, so they love sex. Kinky playing in the taboo is fun for them. It's just a way to play. The issue with the shapeshifter is number one, they, they like it all, but they also need it all. So the way the sexual needs sex as air, food, and water because they, their energy body doesn't get filled up with pleasure unless they have sex. The shapeshifter needs sex, but also needs pleasure from all the different ways in. Right? If you limit them, which is odd, oh, they're such good lovers because they can play with anyone's blueprint. Like, oh, this is how you want to play? This is, oh, I could do that. Oh, this is how you want to play. I could do that too, right? But frequently, let's say you have a shapeshifter and they're with a sexual and the sexual says, this is how you have sex. You kiss, then you touch, then you have sex, and then there's an orgasm, right? Isn't that how you have sex? So they do that night after night after night. And the shapeshifter's like, are you freaking kidding me? This is it? Like, no, there's so much more out here and we're not playing full out. I need to play full out. And what, tur- yes, that turned me on on Monday but by Tuesday I wanted something different. And by Wednesday I wanted something else. And by Thursday I needed something else I need a variety and they want it all. They could go for hours. Like, okay, let's start with one. Let's eye gaze for an hour. Okay, now we can eat, right? Or go running or dance. let's do the tango. And then first we can go to a hotel and play a game of role play. And then finally we'll go have sex. And like they could spend six hours, right? In all of these pleasurable stuff. And then probably still want more than, you know, when they're done, let's do it again. And they, they need so much. So they, their shadow is they feel like they're too much and they shut down and they're not willing to be themselves because they're too much for everybody else. And so those are your five blueprints. And of course there's also with the blueprints we have There are the obstacles to health. So you could have physical obstacles. You can have thoughts and mental things that are getting in the way. You could have biochemical hormone things that are getting in the way um, and physical problems, right? Maybe you had surgery. Um, And you have stages of sexuality, right? You could be in a healing stage or a resting stage. You could be in an adventuresome stage or curiosity stage or transformational stage and you can be in all of those stages in one day or over many years really depends right you can have a headache in the morning feel better by the afternoon you know so yeah so those are the blueprints
0: yeah and before um because i know that the work that you're you're doing with these blueprints it's it's you're taking them and and applying them elsewhere um in a in a novel way and and i would definitely want to cover that but i just think uh I just kind of want to have like a, a little discussion on, on just sort of each of the five. You did an excellent job describing them. I just kind of like to, to go into a little more detail on each sure. of them, just because I think the, uh, you know, for the audience
1: needs to know.
0: <laughs> that's right. So, um, uh, so pick a, we'll go, we'll start with the kink. Um, yeah. So one of the things that I, um, that I'm glad that you pointed out was that it's, uh, well, a couple of things so that it's, um, subjective so what's something that's kinky to you will may or may not be the same to me so everybody's definition changes which is very critical because even if you have in a couple if you got two people who are kinks that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be on the same wavelength they still have to find that common ground so i'm very uh, I, i like that you highlighted that and then also the fact that it's psychological and or uh uh, sorry physical. physical and or psychological there's mm-hmm. both and you can kind of prefer one or the other or you get a bit of both, whatever it may be um but and, and i think also to the the thing that jumps out at me um particularly with that um i mean it, as far as you know if you want to just talk about the umbrella of just um <laughs> got my hands all chewed up on the recording There, are gonna hide them but um w- when you're talking about just the umbrella you, you know of sex there there's a lot of shame just involved with that. A lot of it comes from religion. Um, some religions are a little more uptight about it than others, and I'll just leave it at that. Um, but culturally as well, family—you know, familial—maybe you just kind of have all—you know—a little more conservative parents, whatever you know. So and, and generational that 100%. makes a difference too. Yeah. yeah. um And I also think kind of the the problem too is that uh, unfortunately pornography is a very shitty representation of sex and yeah. a lot of it for a, a, just an infinite number host of, of reasons yeah it's just ugh, it's just not good it's just really not good um overall but um yeah i'm just trying to think maybe where where we want to maybe touch on it but maybe just even kind of go into a little bit more like that that kind of dance between the the psychological and the physical even
1: yeah, well, again, you know, the mind-body connection, I was chatting with people the other day and, you know, is it the mind or is it the body? And and it's like, you can't separate the two because they're connected by a nervous system. And you have a thought which affects your body and then your body feels something which affects your mind and it constantly goes back and forth. But psychological kink in in psychology, Really playing with turn on from from words right and and with the blueprints in general I mean we're really just uh, we only have time today to skim the surface those are the yeah. definitions but you know if you want to work with a, a blueprint coach you're going to go into how to speak blueprints how you know how to expand your blueprint how what's your not even the there's words body tone pitch we actually all react differently um, to that and speaking the blueprints, right? And how do you play in the blueprints? What toys do you use? What do you expand? And, And so the physical and the psychological, again, is physical kink is whatever is taboo for you physically. And then psychological kink, again, is sort of in a lot of ways, what is taboo for you in your mind, and what are you? Where are you willing to play in your mind? And um, you know, there's a lot of role playing, but you can have role play without kink in the other blueprints. Um, and there's a whole um, there's a whole way of doing healing. Um, there's there's um, psychological systems called family systems where we have a lot of voices in our head you know, and, and if you give names to the different voices, um, you, if you're psychologically sound, you know, they're just your voices in your head, but you can be the CEO and you can have Debbie the downer and, you know, Carla, the cheerleader and Annie, the anxiety girl, and, um, you know, Katie, the kink master. And, and you have all these different people that you are, all these different expressions of yourself in, Um, some of those have been shut down in your life or criticized or judged. And actually doing shadow work and erotic persona work, you can play, you can go deeply into those family systems through role-playing. And in a sexual context, it can be very healing because you may have dissociated from some of those People that are you, but maybe you were bullied when you were in third grade. And so you push that little bully, you know, that quiet, sad, you know, child that had been bullied, right? Now all of a sudden you want to bring them back. How do you bring them back? Because they're part of you. And how would they want to have sex? Right. So there's a lot of healing that can go in psychologically when we play with our full bodies. And again, our full bodies are all those parts that we had all those years of our lives, because we're different people with other people and we're different people at different times in our lives. So we can role play with our own roles as well as your standard roles.
0: When you're describing um, <clears throat> like uh, c- kind of getting more into like the sort of the deep dive on, on each blueprint, like how there's certain Keywords or clothing or body language. Like what's interesting about that, which is it, it sort of speaks to the overarching theme, but certainly perhaps a little more prevalent on the kink blueprint, which is that you're responding to stimulus. Well, stimulus is energy. That's the point. Whether it's absorbed or, or not absorbed, but mm-hmm. um, observed by, you know, sight, sound, touch, you know, whatever, you five, mm-hmm. six, six senses, I guess, right? You know, the, yeah your intuition energy absorbing one right so um you know that's something to to keep in mind about and also like i I swear if anybody has ever seen a tarantino movie you can't make it through one of those movies without seeing a foot somewhere (laughs) 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 like for real like it's like oh tarantino yeah i know you're fetish buddy so funny but it's true you know it's true it's just these kind of and he does it very tongue-in-cheek you know it's always um you know, usually with a a bit of a sense of humor, but it's like, yeah, like that's right in the open. It's in like five different movies. You got a foot somewhere, you know?
1: (laughs) Oh, that is funny. I'll have, now I'm going to have to watch his movies again. (laughs)
0: The the most recent one, my favorite ones, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I swear there's like three different, I know Margot Robbie. And um, I can't remember the actress's name, but she's like the hippie girl with, with Brad Pitt it's like, there's just feet all over this movie. It's like, yeah, good job, Tarantino. I appreciate that. Hilarious.
1: But, you know, it's, the other blueprints are just as sensitive to words. You know, it's, you use- interpret it differently. You know, if someone's deep in their energetic and you talk about cock, they're going to not be turned on. (laughs) You know, that is probably not the word, right? Or, you know- a hole is going to really, they have a yoni. <laughs> they don't have a hole. Right. Okay. It's a, it's a, it's a sacred energetic space.
0: It's but with crazy. a sexual, you know, that sort of, um, I don't want to say aggressive, because that's maybe not the right term, but just that kind of blunt, like, it's black
1: yeah. and white. It's yeah. just is. Well, that's what it yeah. is. It's
0: like, oh yeah, there, there you go. You're off. You're off and running, kind of thing, right? Correct. Um, so, how about the? Yeah, we'll go to the ener- uh, energetic one. So, with the with the energetic one, um, r- what I um, as far as talking about like energy, you know, you can not even touch somebody. You're just hovering. You're playing. They with could literally.
1: You can sit with if you have two energetics. And they can spend an hour eye gazing. They may both be totally ecstatic and have true body orgasms just from the intense, deep spiritual connection that they had with eye gazing.
0: And and I know some of the listeners, or maybe most, are kind of thinking, oh, that's fucking bullshit. No, let me tell you though, (laughs) you know, in a different context, you know, and I'm being absolutely serious in a very different context. On palliative care wards, one of the treatment methods to ease a patient's pain is that healing touch where you hover and yeah. it, it's used, it's international, it's recognized, like yeah. this is a real thing. The, in the context of these blueprints, you're applying the same principle, just in a different context. But that different context is sometimes a bit hard for people to kind of wrap their head around. But I'm telling you, keep an open mind because it's absolutely true. <laughs> and and then what I would tell you, too,
1: is we all have an, an energy body, a subtle energy body that is around us. And if you've ever stood, I mean, we're typically comfortable. I mean, it's kind of funny because we're in Zoom, but if I were to stand like this with the camera, you would be like, whoa. <laughs> Right. And if someone comes up to you and they get too close to you, it's like, whoa, right? We have a respectful distance that we are comfortable with. That's our energy. Two energy bodies are meeting. And when someone invades your space and gets a little too close and they're not intimate with you, that's your energy body going, whoa, you just came in too close. I have an aura around me. I got. I got stuff. I got waves that are protecting me. Don't get that close. And then if you're in an intimate relationship with someone, you know, you let someone get closer. The two energy bodies can really feel, you know, if you've ever had a healing session with energy work, you can feel the heat and the, and it could be more than heat. And if you ever just, you know, do this like your listeners and just, play with, can you feel the energy between your hands? And people can start with that and see if they can play with being more in tune to their own perfect, their own energy and their own energetic body.
0: And I think everybody has had those experiences. I mean, I, you said, in, in kind of going over the definitions, like you walk into a room and it's like, Oh, like what the hell is going like good, you know, bad vibes or, or the other way you walk in and you go, Ooh, okay. You know, or, or somebody comes up to you and talks to you and it's like, Oh, wow. Like that was like, you know, so it does, you know, it cuts both ways. And I mean, I, I had one, um, I'm, I'm, uh, I won't get into the, what my blueprints are, but I'm surprised I'm not really an energetic because I'm very, very in tune with, with this, you know, energy, mine and others. And I had one experience that was extremely negative and it was uh, kind of the same thing. I was in a room with a bunch of people. And, uh, people, people I knew, uh, either really well or, or just kind of superficially and the energy was so negative that it literally felt like kind of the, the best way to describe it was if you see what the death eaters look like on Harry Potter, <laughs> they're, like they're black and they're kind yeah. of, kind of transparent, but not really. It's like, if their outfit was like draped on my, it was like, I could feel it on my back. Like it was literally it, someone was touching me.
1: Well, what I'm going to say is I got a few things
0: to
1: to (laughs) say on that. So first of all, I forgot to say, which is really important. Energetics typically are hypersensitive individuals. So, you know, you'll be somewhere and, or there'll be two kids in a family and mom's going off. And one kid has a like meltdown, like, mom, why'd you say that? You're so mean. And the other sibling is like, get over it. It's mom, you know, and but the, you know, the sensitive one in the family is often more, has a higher level of that energetic being. But again, we all have energetic bodies and you may have a highly developed energetic body, but your nervous system may be wired to get pleasure from kink. Like that, right. they're two, we all have these four bodies, right? Mm-hmm. Now, the, what you were picking up on when you go in a room, so heart math actually teaches about the heart has a brain, okay? It really has a brain. So your mind has a brain, the heart has a brain and your gut has a brain. There are neurons, neurotransmitters, everything in all three places. Your gut brain, 90% of your serotonin, you know everybody's on Prozac and Zola for their serotonin. 90% is in your gut brain, not your brain brain. Your first brain is your gut brain. But the heart also has a brain. And what we have learned, which is fascinating through heart math, is when when you take your pulse and you get a heart rate of 60, it's really not 60. It was 60, 61, 62, 65, 55, you know, it's bouncing around and it averages out to 60. If you were to graph that, ideally it's bouncing all over the place. That's a high heart rate variability. If you were then to graph the actual heart rate variability, you would get, if it's a high heart rate variability, you'd get a sine wave, which is a beautiful energy sine wave. Now, when someone's really stressed and they're living in that fight or flight system, their variability goes down and their heart rate, 60, 60, 60, 60, 60, 61, 60, 60, 60, 60, 61, right? And if you were to graph it, it's literally a disynchronous cacophony of numbers. There's no beautiful wave to it. We wanna live, if you have a peak, think you want a high heart rate variability. When we deliver babies and we're monitoring the baby in mom's tummy, if they have good heart rate variability, we know that baby's okay. They lose their heart rate variability, get it out, deliver that baby. They're stressed, something's gonna die, they might die we literally use the heart rate variability as and then we we never put it on a kid again once they come out of the womb i don't know why but heart math is teaching us that we need to do that stressed out individuals low heart rate variability calm individuals happy individuals joyful individuals high heart rate variability when you walk in a room they're giving off this sine wave of energy and you get entrained Your heart all of a sudden goes, oh, I'm supposed to be like this. And you actually feel that energy. And when you walk in a room of negative people and it's it's noise, you hear the noise. And your body goes, you know, it's like scratching fingers on a chalkboard. And and your whole body changes and your heart rate variability goes down. Right? Women live together, right? And they cycle together the whole period thing. When you walk in rooms full of people, you cycle, your heart cycles with that.
0: Yeah. And even just at, it's sort of like a basic level when you talk about, you know, I, I read a lot, uh, about like rapport, um, how to build rapport, how to get into rapport primarily through, um, through the context of like business and, and just communication, just mm-hmm. being better at a podcast, you know, like it's tough over zoom obviously, but you know, like just kind of that idea, but the same principles apply to, you know, your partner and stuff. And, and, you know, even just everybody's been in a conversation where, you know, mirroring, scratch my nose, two seconds later, you scratch your nose, I adjust, you adjust, or we're
1: all our mirror, our neurons are always mirroring each other. And we learn through that's how you learn as an infant. And if you want to teach empathy in schools, and I've just finished reading The Body Keeps the Score. When you have traumatized kids, from you teach them mirroring because they, they're not safe in communicating with others. They're so shut down and they're dissociated with their body. So you start by just teaching them how to mirror another human being.
0: I made a note of that. I'm going to have to check that book out. Oh, um, it's a great book. Oh my God, so good. Sensual, sensual um yeah the the whole idea of kind of giveaways in the name but the senses yeah um and, and by the way like you know you mentioned like um like that story with uh i, I believe it was a, i don't know if it was a hypothetical or if it was the one with Jai and ian where you know they're in the middle of uh you know they're, they're right in the middle of it and then all of a sudden it's like ah oh, damn that socks on the floor and they're just out there's out that happens that's no oh, yeah
1: <laughs> think about think about your, like having peak experience and the freaking text goes off on your phone. And you're just like, really? No. And one of the couple can just pop back, like, forget it. And pop back in. I'm too much TMI, but like, I can't pop back in that fast. It's like, Oh, you know, I'm all of a sudden.
0: Yeah. You're out of that.
1: I was in, I was totally in it and in my body and then, oops done over oh well another day (laughs) it's it's amazing right
0: and so being able to communicate um you know being able to communicate with essential that one is very interesting because um i don't know i think i guess i don't know maybe my opinion of the five blueprints would be like to me it sounds like communication would be most yeah, maybe. I don't know about that, but I'll say it. You know, I think communication is probably the most important for that one because you also not only along with the, the touch, like how to act around that person, you know, communicating is just an extension of that. You're just doing it verbally instead of physically. So it's very important because, you know, having to keep them, you know, and maybe, you know, maybe that text tone goes off, but maybe, you know, kind of a phrase or certain words to use to just kind of pull, pull them back in. in, right? You know, So that's a, a critical thing to, to understand. Um, but again, you know, that requires, you know, you gotta know if your partner is essential right. or not, right?
1: The biggest thing that I, you know, I was on a call earlier today teaching and, you know, the woman, are people really incompatible, right? And it's like, no, if they're willing to be curious about another human being and how the other human being perceives the world. If you're French and someone's Spanish, you can fall in love. If your love language is touch and the others is words of affirmation, you can learn if you're curious how to show love in the other person's language. So the same thing goes with the sexual blueprints. If you understand in a more depth how they're gonna hear you and how to get in you just but it just is more challenging if you never understood it like you need we're finally giving you a blueprint for the blueprints right so um it's you know i watched when i went to path to passion this couple they'd been together for 20 or 25 years maybe longer and he was a sexual and she was an energetic and she finally was like at the end she's like i can't like the marriage was on the rock. She's like, I want to be married, but there's so much that I can't say or so. And when they learned their different blueprints, he finally understood where he kept violating her boundaries that he had no clue existed. He was never trying to hurt her. And she never knew how to speak up because again, as an energetic, you can lose your own boundaries if you don't understand it. And um, every time you have a sexual experience with another human being, you have to regain consent. And a lot of us forgot that, like, oh, you're married, so we can touch you any way you want. And every time we have sex, we do it the same way. Well, no, I'm different today than I was last Saturday, right? So recognizing really every time you come together, you're you're a different person. And you should have the conversation again. Hey, are we playing in your blueprint tonight or mine? Right? And we should start talking about sex. And that's the other thing, just to put out there to your viewers, right? So many, I'm a gynecologist. So every day I hear, (laughs) every day, I lost my desire. I don't want it anymore. What's wrong? He still wants it. What? Once a week, isn't that enough? Why? Or I used to have it three times a week. Now I don't even have the desire. What's wrong? What's wrong? Sometimes there's something physically wrong. Sometimes it's their hormones, right? Sometimes it's the relationship. They're not feeling heard. They're not feeling safe. And if you're not safe in any, you know, any of these blueprints, you you need to be in that parasympathetic rest and digest, relax and reproduce mode to get optimal pleasure everything's perfect if you want to have good fun on saturday night do you decide what restaurant you're going to go to or do you just drive down the street and pick the first one (laughs) if you want to have fun do you choose what movie you want to see or you just expect it to go on netflix that night immediately for you it's just going to be there i mean it sort of is with netflix but you still gotta scroll through you know we forget that yeah when we're 13 15 maybe not 13 but 13's maybe i hope you're not having sex at 13 but <laughs> you know you start kissing at 13 right it's it's new it's novel it's different our bodies also are primed to you know
0: full of hormones yeah
1: <laughs> totally the <laughs> hormones are raging <laughs> but we get a little bit older and we have a lot more on our plate we got a lot of distractions and we don't schedule sex. We don't say, put two hours in your calendar on Saturday afternoon, evening, Tuesday afternoon, Monday morning, even five minutes of kissing. If, you, if you're a sexual and you need physical touch, you need kissing, you need sex to actually bring you pleasure and you're too busy and you never do it, And then you expect to feel in the mood late on a Saturday night when you're exhausted. No. Schedule pleasure into your day every day.
0: You know, it's funny about that. I was literally like four or five days ago, I was listening to uh, another podcast and uh, talking about this exact thing. They were talking about it from a a clinical. He was a clinical psychologist and he was treating this uh, couple And, you know, the romance is gone, blah, blah, blah. And so he suggested schedule, um, you know, touching of some sort, schedule, schedule that physical intimacy into your week. And they both kind of rolled their eyes and they're like, well, that's not very spontaneous. That's kind of, it's kind of lame. And he's like, well, hang on. So, you know, the romance is dead, but instead of making an effort to, okay, let's just schedule it and let's just get to it. You know, whatever that means, whether it's, you know, going all the way or just kind of, you know, Mm -hmm. kissing type stuff, you know, first base type stuff, you know? Um, but you know, what do you, what do you want? Do you want your relationship to improve and like, just get over the shit, just get over that, just do it, you know, make the most of it when you have it because you're not doing it at all. So what you're going to roll your eyes at scheduling it now, like, come on, it's not practical.
1: And, and everything else in our life, we schedule Exactly. <laughs> so why, and I tell people when I teach, so I'm, I'm taking the blueprints, right? And trying to teach wellness in an overarching manner. And you need, we all need to schedule self-care. And we need, I think we need to remember that we're not just a physical body. So some people, you know, the Western, I'm 100% convinced that our Western medical system was designed by people who were of the sexual blueprint. Okay, it's European and and American white men. So even if they weren't of the sexual blueprint, they were taught to be of the sexual blueprint.
0: And likely very repressed.
1: (laughs) And they look at the body as a physical body. And you know, how do you keep the physical body well? You eat right and you exercise. Oh yeah, and you have to sleep. I should add in, and how about sex? Cause you need that, right? You need pleasure. Um, but they don't even talk about that because that's really in the energy world. So when I think about it, right? Every, we have four bodies and they all need movement and they all need, which is like you know their form of exercise for that body, and they all need rest. Your mind body needs to sleep, but your mind body also needs to meditate. That is exercise for the mind body. Most of us in modern society are plagued with ADD, right? We can't keep our attention on one thing for more than 30 seconds. Because we're not practicing keeping our attention on anything for more than 30 seconds. Meditation is making an intention to put your attention on whatever you choose that's not your thoughts. You're still going to think, but you're not noticing your thoughts. You're saying, and then you do notice your thoughts, and you go, oh, yeah, thought, thanks, I'm not noticing you now. I'm going back to my mantra, my breath, my staring at a flower, staring at a candle, whatever you choose to be your meditation. And for thousands of years in the West, we didn't teach meditation per se, right? That was more of an Eastern philosophy in India and China, but we were so religious, people were going to church and saying the rosary a hundred times. Or saying the, you know, our Father Art in Heaven over and over again, or saying the Shema if they were Jewish, the Muslims must have their own prayer that I don't know what it is that they say over and over again. The Muslims do it five times a day, religious Jews do it two or three times a day, and the the Christians do it at least once a week. But I think a lot of them say the prayers every day too, right? So if you were truly brought up in a very religious household. You were meditating every day when you were praying. Repetitive prayer. Now, prayer is talking to God and meditation is listening for God in some circles. So reading the Bible or reading prayers isn't necessarily meditation, but using a prayer as a meditative mantra can be meditative, right? Um, anyway, so exercising your energetic body is all about what we're talking about. How do you put pleasure into your life? Yeah, right? It's
0: exactly gotta exactly. bring
1: pleasure in so that you you vibrate at a higher frequency. And then you also need a shield so you don't lose all the positive energy. If you're giving away to everybody else and you're doing for everybody, and you're not having boundaries for, and you're not saying no to what isn't good for you, then it's like a you know a watering pot with holes at the end. You're filling up and it's all going out the bottom and you don't stay full. And a lot of us have that problem in modern society. We're so busy, but we're not choosing what fills us up.
0: And I think in um, kind of the circles that I run in, at least, I've had this discussion several times. I think I actually had this discussion with uh, Bethany Walker uh, on the on the previous episode uh, of the podcast in season two, and she was describing how, uh, you know, she was doing a lot of like mentorship type stuff and and um, you know extracurricular activities, um, and she was just feeling you know burned out. You know, she's in law school, uh, you know, like me. We're we're in class together, and so she's like you know, then I just felt like I didn't have anything. You know, I was just done. I just didn't have anything left for me. And that's exactly that idea, which is that you're you're giving away all that energy because we don't think about it in those terms. I think we just think about you're giving your resource or you're giving your time, your attention. But even then it already starts coming back to like that energy thing. As soon as you hit attention, well, that's, that's energy. That, that's what you're giving away. So if you just keep giving all this shit away, you ain't getting nothing back. You're going to run out. And then right. you're gonna be running on empty. You're gonna be running on you feet.
1: need to always close the loops too. When you give out energy, you gotta in some way, shape, or form finish the loop and have it come back. Right. So you do a you do a um, you do a good deed for a friend, right? Oh, I'm not gonna charge you for that. You do it again. Oh, I don't charge friends. All of a sudden you start having resentment right? If you do a good deed for a friend, let me, let me take you out for dinner. All of a sudden the loop is closed. Your friendship's good again. Now if he asks you again, it's brand new because he paid you back. If you ask him and he says no, but you've, he's finished the the first loop. Oh, you're busy. I get it. Like there's no, but I did for you five times and you never did for me right? So you always want to close the loops. It keeps your energy tucked in to yourself. At the end of the day, you want to say a forgiveness prayer. Forgive yourself for everything you did or didn't do for that day, and forgive others for anything they did or didn't do. Closes the day out. There's no open energy. You get a much better night's sleep.
0: Yeah, that's my big one right there.
1: (laughs) And also, And, and what I'm hearing too from your friends in school, and I was so guilty as charged too, you know, from a very young age, oh, what else do I gotta do to get into college? I gotta have five extra to. I, I, I gotta have a, a Nobel prize, right? To get into college nowadays. Like forget it, I would never be admitted, right? I didn't do half what these people have done. And so that mindset of you gotta do, do all this stuff, and you're not actually always choosing, does it fill you up? You're doing it because you're supposed to. And if instead you said, you know, I'm only going to do one thing, but it gives me so much pleasure to do that one thing, then you're not being depleted and you might do even more of it because it's giving you pleasure back.
0: Yeah, there's an intrinsic level.
1: But to spread yourself thin because it looks good on the resume, which is the way we've all been.
0: Trained to think really. Yeah,
1: yeah and like. it's, it's just not good, right? And then the emotional body is the interesting one too because so much healing the emotional body is, um, half of it is recognizing that you have emotions <laughs> and feeling the emotion and not dissociating from the emotion. But then also recognizing that those emotions pass. So Tara Brock, who's an amazing teacher of meditation and stuff, she says, rain, recognize, accept, investigate with curiosity and nurture when you feel something. And most folks will say, if you have an emotion, you know, it'll pass if you sit with it. I think it's Jeff Walker who he he does these great YouTube videos. He's a psychologist. So many of us want to push the emotions away. And he says, Imagine you you had a child and she falls, you know, I, I think of it, she falls down at the playground and she's crying, and she runs to her mom. Ah, I'm crying, just hurt myself. She's crying and crying. If the mom goes, oh, forget about it. Just go back and play. She's gonna have a bigger, louder temper tantrum and cry louder because she's not getting her needs met. She's not being accepted for having this emotion. If instead a good mom, right? Or a more well-trained mom, I don't wanna use the word good and bad, gets down, kid level eye to eye or picks the kid up. Oh, you fell down. Oh, you're hurting. Oh, you have a boo-boo. Oh, I'm sorry. That's sad, it hurts. It'll get better at some point. What can I do to make it better? Oh, mom, I feel better already, bye. And they're back running again. That's what we need to do with our emotions.
0: Yeah, the Instead way- of
1: pushing them away, treat them as children. All they are is your children knocking on the door. Hey, I'm sad again. Hey, I'm angry.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, so I kind of interrupted you there, but I was, I was going to say like the way I sort of look at that, which like for me, I kind of frame it in this way, which you know, you, you, you make your rules and you break your own rules, right? So, I mean, you know, it's just one of those things. You just got to discipline and get better at it. But, you know, um, if you're feeling a certain way, uh, first of all, don't be making decisions because uh, mm-hmm. making decisions out of emotion is generally good or bad emotion generally is not the not the best move um because it can go south pretty quick uh and i have lots of lots of evidence for that one and the mistakes i've made with other people certainly um but you know uh take them in and ha- have a drink with them like just I, that's how i frame it like not like yeah. you literally i mean if you literally want to do that you can do that but literally just like take a second and just sit with it and just yeah. like talk try and figure it out you know it's that that uh so the acronym was rain right Rain. Yeah, I'm gonna have to check that out as well. But, yeah, you know, recognize, accept, and investigate,
1: just... nurture. Yeah,
0: and and then you know go into go into the the problem solving side if that's you know if that's the. well. And there's
1: also um, there's an emotional spiral. Um, I have it on my and like despair. I think is at the bottom, and um, I think his name is Metawar who wrote a book and it's all about getting back to neutral. His dad was about positive psychology. And he's a, he's a trainer for a lot of like um, sports figures. And it's all about getting back to neutral. Yeah. It's getting back to neutral. You know, you're down by 20 points. You're the quarterback. You just focus on the first down every time you're just going for, just get a first down. Right. So when you're at the bottom of despair, all you need to do is get to depressed and from depressed, if you can get to angry that's improvement. And you're not gonna go from despair to joy. That's gonna be really hard to get there that quick. But if you can just go up little by little, you can treat your emotions, right? And we do some powerful work in the coaching that we do. Um, The goal really for a lot is to eliminate the story Because the story is what gives you the emotional charge. But what's really bothering us is the emotion.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And usually it's triggering something else that triggered something else that triggered something else. So you find what emotion is underneath the story. And then we coach to that emotion. And how can we neutralize,
0: accept it,
1: but transform it?
0: I think it's a, buddhist saying something like that more or less which is basically that all events are neutral but we subscribe a positive or negative emotion so, to it.
1: yeah so i teach a lot about polarities and um yin and yang right make the whole hmm. if you ever see the yin and the yang right it's black and white yin and yang good and bad more or less Every polarity, the human brain divides. We are like a computer and we split everything into two. But the universe is one. That's what religion taught us. And it made no sense to me for years, right? What does that mean? I didn't believe in some man on a throne up in, you know, in the sky. But what faith is, right? If you, the way I my version of faith, I might, this may not be anybody else's version of faith, but my version of faith is looking at yin and yang make up a whole, but there's always black on the white side of yin. There's yang and yin and yin and yang. There's there's white in the black and black in the white. Nothing is all good or all bad. There's good with the bad. And we as humans in the moment, see something and we think it's bad, but there might be a little bit of good in that bad. And moreover, an hour from now, 20 years from now at the end of our lifetime, what we thought was bad turns out to be the best thing that ever happened to us. But we couldn't see that at the time. So there's a Chinese parable of a farmer and his, his horse runs away And the neighbor comes. Oh, my God, you're so unlucky. Your horse ran away. How are you going to farm? Maybe it's good. Maybe it's bad. The next day, the horse comes back. You're so lucky. Maybe I am. Maybe I'm not. The next day, his son goes, rides on the horse, falls off, breaks his leg. Oh, my God, you're so unlucky. Maybe I am. Maybe I'm not. The next day, the army comes to town and takes all the kids to to war except his son because he had a broken leg. Maybe it's good, maybe it's fair. We never know, right? The, our biggest wounds may be our biggest transformative, powerful things. So, but human nature always divides and then gives emotional charge. Oh, the white light's better than the black light, right? I like the white light. How could you possibly like the black light? And an argument gets, you know, ensues over which is better. When you lose, when you go, oh, white light, black light, it's all the same, nothing's good, nothing's bad. I don't, I don't, this is feeling really terrible today. And I'm gonna sit with the yuck that I'm feeling, but maybe at some time in my life, it won't be so yucky. Can I accept that the universe is here and this is just happening? Can I just accept that this just is? And that's true faith that the universe, if you are part of the universe, you are also the entire universe. You're both a part of it and all of it. And if you're—if that's true, then it's always working for you because you are the universe. So having faith in the universe means I have faith in all the junk that's ever happened to me. Somehow is, I don't understand it, but somehow it's, it's for me. It's not happening to me. Anyway, that's the oneness and faith in my
0: well, I like that. And I mean, before moving on to the the next blueprint, I just want to say, you know, that that's an archetypal construct that's, you know, go, goes on. I mean, that's like the, you know, the, the, the bad thing. And then, you know, kind of turns into. I mean, that's, that's Harry Potter, the yeah. orphan boy who grows up to be the, you know, the, the great warrior kind of, you know, that, so, that archetype Batman's another one, you know, yeah. Spider-Man is another one. It's, it's played over in mythology. The Greek mythology is full, All of that stuff, you know,
1: so the the problem for us, I there was a great book called it's T.E.D. Now, of course, I don't remember what it stands (laughs) for, but um, I was raised on Disney. There's a victim. um, You know, an obstacle in their way and they need a rescuer, the prince to rescue them. And what TED, it's transforming something, something. I'm not a victim. I am a creator. I get to create my life. Everything that's in my way is just a stepping stone for me to figure out how to get a square peg in a round hole like Apollo 13. It's It's a stepping stone. And all I need is a, it's a challenge. So it's a, I'm a creator. Everything's a challenge for me. And all I need is a coach to tell me You got this, Dorothy, you're already got your red shoes on and, you know, you can do it right. And changing our mind body from the victim mentality to creator mentality takes you light years closer to living in a much more healthy wellness vibe.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I agree. I'll leave it right there. I like that one. This is a good spot for that um what's left uh sexual and shapeshifter. yeah so i think for the for the sexual i don't really got much other than just uh what what's the is it very very man let's get it on right <laughs> it's just there you go up to it right you know let's just, just this is this Great. is what's up yeah
1: <laughs> sex is sex the body's the body let's do it and make sure to finish
0: Yes. And I think kind of my, my only note for that one is, is just like, I, I think as far as the um, uh, the shadow um, I, I love the vocabulary on some of this stuff too. You know, it's, it, it's really interesting, you know, like different um, little tangent here, but like any kind of subculture that you get into uh, you know, hockey, there's a complete language and I, you know, cause that's a bit of my background. It's, is hockey. So it's always amusing to just Canadian? kind of yeah, Canadian eight, you know, and there's always that that level of like I can have a I can say a paragraph and you wouldn't understand a single thing that I just said, but a hockey player would be like, yep, Roger that, you know, so it's just this vocabulary and, and kind of the things I'm, I'm picking up, um, you know, like with you, you know, in this conversation. And then when you listen to, to uh, Jaya's stuff. Um, well, the biggest one, first of all, uh, play. Great. That's a great way to frame that, you know, because I think the term play, I think kind of gets associated kink. Like it kind of just, I think sort of like a lay person would just sort mm. of associate in that way, but it's not, it's, well, what is play? What does play mean? It's a game with participants. That's what it right. is. There's and this. that's, and that's what
1: life is. It's all life is. Yeah. It's a game. And we're here. I really think, you know, we get taught a story that adults are here to teach children how to live, right? Our job as an adult is to teach kids the rules and how to live. How can we possibly teach them how to live in a world that hasn't been created yet? They're gonna live in a world that hasn't been created yet. So how can I possibly teach them that? So how could that possibly really be my job? My job is to love them, to keep them safe. Their job is to teach me how to play and how to live authentically. Children are here to teach adults how to keep living because we forget.
0: There's a great book. I can't remember the author. I think the last name was Pierce, P-E. P-E-A-R-S-E, I think. Don't quote me on that. Um, but the book titles is uh, Infinite, uh, Finite and Infinite Games, which oh. is, you know, it's a great, it's a philosophical book. It's a bit of a tough read because, you know, f- philosophy reading is, well, it's a bit difficult for me, but I think other people will be all right with it. But it's a very short book. It's like 100 pages. Um, mm-hmm. And it basically just talks about that idea that there's there life is a, a series of some, you know, infinite and but finite as well. You know, you play for the sake of playing the game. You don't play to win the game. Some games you play to win the game, but to but even to win the game, to win just means to continue to play. That's- right.
1: what, is, what does winning mean in the game of life, right? Winning means you just keep on living. But then if you really want to get philosophical on that and and with polarities, right? Life and death are the biggest polarity. When does life end? So there's sayings that you, you die your first death when you leave your physical body, right? You die your second death when nobody remembers who you are. Mm. Okay, Vincent Van Gogh killed himself, only sold one painting in his whole life. Went to his death, his first death is a failure. I just went to the immersive Van Gogh exhibit in L.A., which is the the coolest thing ever. That man will never die. He is alive forever. His spirit, Jesus Christ, died on a cross, thought he didn't get his point across. (laughs) Changed the world and never knew it. He's never going to die. Right? So what is life? What is death? Even that is in the game of life is right. And how are we all trying to live, right? So, you know, I gave us this morning, I did a summit on on pleasure and wellness. And I, I was debating, it's 9-11, can I do it? Like, I felt like, you know, like it's 20 years, I think I'm allowed to, And but I, I memorialized the people who died. I was like, none of us know if we're gonna be here tomorrow. So are we living today as if tomorrow's our last day? And why not? Do we go to bed and telling our loved ones that we love them every day? Do we play full out? What are we waiting for? Why not? Why do we listen to other people's rules about how to to live and how to play?
0: especially if there's insignificant contradiction to what you feel is best for you. Right. I mean, that's, yeah. that's the idea. Like why, you, you know, like with, um, it's funny. Cause like, you know, we're, we're going strong here and it's just like, when you kind of think about the whole conversation and it's like, I mean, I'm familiar with the content. So I knew coming in, it's going to, you're going to branch all over the place, but that's, that's not necessarily tan, tangential. That's just kind of the, that's just the nature of, you know these erotic blueprints is that it, it's not it's not um boxed into the bedroom right no
1: eroticism they, is pure pleasure and spirituality and that goes to who we are as human beings and that's why to me it's so profound in the healing system you know like i want to change how we heal human beings in the medical system we do not give enough We have a hierarchical system. When we look at the blueprints, no one blueprint is better than another blueprint.
0: They're just just different,
1: different, (laughs) right? And, but when we look at the medical system, especially in America, what happened in 1911-ish or 18, I think it was 1911. One man paid another man who was an educator, he wasn't involved in healing at all, to go investigate all the, all the different medical schools at the time. And they came back and and wrote the Flexner report. And Mr. Flexner said, oh, the standard MD allopathic medical school is the only medical school that makes any sense to me. It's the only one that has any science behind it. Therefore, government should sanction that medical system as the MD only proper way to heal. Everything else is complementary and alternative and doesn't really work. It's not scientific. When you think about it, again, it was a guy who was a white male educator. He was not a healer. Paid for by another white male, uh, it was either Rockefeller or Carnegie. They, so if you look through the lens of 2020 and systemic racism and stuff, all the acupuncturists were eliminated. They were foreign. All the herbalists, which were mostly women, no longer allowed to practice herbalism. Midwifery was snagged into, the, into you know, medical school and delivering babies became all medicalized. Um, there was homeopathy, naturopathy. Naturopathy was big on herbs and food. They got rid of nutrition. It wasn't even in medical school, it's still not in medical school. Um, And black medical schools, they closed almost all the black medical schools. And only they had a quota, only 6% of women were allowed in MD schools.
0: I'm surprised it's that high, or it was that high. (laughs) Yeah,
1: I think it was 6%, it was limited. And it was only till Title 10 in 1970s that the quota on how many women could be in the medical school was removed. Title nine, Title 10, Title nine. The one that made athletics more equal. In 1973. So again, I don't think they came about it. I'm not convinced they came about it thinking that they were doing anything bad. Like, I don't think they came about it and said, oh, this is bad, you know, we're gonna try and shut these people down. I literally think they were living in their sexual blueprint. They were trained by anatomists. They said the body is a bunch of organs. Let's study the body, study the organs. Energy, acupuncture, they don't even have any studies. It's been around for 3,000 years, 5,000 years. Maybe the studies were done 5,000 years ago. Since then, we've done studies scientifically, and it seems to work. Meditation was thrown out, right? We've known for years that religious people, if you have a social community and you pray and all this, you actually have better healing outcomes. We now have science to prove that. They've taken everything down to the DNA, right? We've gone from just the blue, you know, the medical system, it's all DNA. And yet your zip code actually plays a bigger role in how many, in your health outcome, in your DNA. They now have done studies, it's called Adverse Childhood Experience Studies. And it correlates one-to-one, the more adverse childhood experiences you had before you were 18, one-to-one, with chronic illness as an adult. Are we healing the child in you and the trauma you experienced as a child? No, but we only talk in terms of the body. And if we go and heal the emotions and heal the energy and all the, your body was violated and you were your boundaries were violated and you weren't safe and the stories they told you about yourself or the stories you told yourself, I'm a victim, I'm helpless, I can't do this. If you were raped, you lost all agency, right? You're not going to heal through the physical body. You, I mean, you might, but there's, there's so much, you got to heal integratively because you have these four bodies and yeah. you can't talk yourself well and you can't drug yourself well. Can't.
0: I'm glad you, you segued. I know we didn't cover the, the shapeshifter one in more detail, but that's okay. We can skip that shapeshifter
1: one. Shapeshifter basically, it's all there. in one. They just want it all, need it all, and need variety.
0: That's right. Um, but as far as like, yeah, kind of sort of segueing into sort of the work that you're doing um, involving these blueprints, um, you know, one of the things I just want to mention is that, yeah, you know, when you think about how the the medical system came to be, it does make sense how they would throw away with um, anything that didn't fit the the mold um, because it's, it's a system. The scientific method requires um, reliability, which means that you can replicate the same treatment and get the same outcome. That's critical to a system, uh, any right. system, certainly one where you're treating illnesses and whatever, right? So I, I understand that. Um, I do understand that the problem is you can't take one entire thing and get rid of it and like you mentioned oh there's no studies well there were studies but they weren't formalized in that way because in many indigenous cultures and i know i'm saying indigenous there's so much diversity within the term right. indigenous, so just keep that in mind but you know um the cree people in particular um just as an example that sacred wheel and the medicine wheel like that's an element to it where they understand that mind body connection to it. So that, that level of um, that type of knowledge in certain cultures was well known for many, many years. Um, But it just didn't have that same flavor. And so, okay, just get rid of it. It's a body composed of, you know, X, Y, and Z. And let's just focus on that. Um, One of the things that, you know, nowadays, certainly the, the push in the medical field, uh, I mentioned earlier, you know, palliative care, there's a very uh, significant emphasis on healing touch and, and things like that. So you're seeing that ancient wisdom come through acupuncture mm-hmm. is another right. one that's kind of becoming a little more, um, it's certainly ancient.
1: more mainstream.
0: Yeah. It used to be hipster stuff, but now it's, you know, it's a little bit more recognized in, in that sense. Um, and certainly when, when you talk about um, uh, childhood, you um, childhood trauma, you know, and you even saying, you know, your zip code actually has a lot more um, impact on your health outcomes um, because socioeconomic status is an excellent indicator uh, not only for your physical, um, you know, any type of, even just as simple as pollution. Are you exposed yeah, to in order to live
1: a freeway? Pollution?
0: Are you growing up in an area that has uh, higher rates of crime? you know, that's going to be a factor as well. You're probably going to be less likely to to have a better education. That's going to have certain outcomes, you know. So Mm -hmm. these things do do not occur in a vacuum. One of the things as well, um, I believe the guy is Gabor Matej. Yeah, I know that name. name.
1: I'm trying to think. Yeah, yeah.
0: Hungarian guy, I believe. Um, He does a lot of research on, uh, trying to, can't remember quite how to phrase it, but um, in utero, um, so if a mother, uh, like a easy example is if a mother is abused, um, she's in a d- domestic violence situation, um, that fight or flight that she's experiencing, that's going to go that baby that yeah. going inside her, it actually lead it. to anatomical changes in the brain, yeah. which then has a whole litany of, are there going to be hormonal issues or they're going to, can spiral into significant health issues right. later on once they're born. Um, psychological, you're now more predisposed to become, I believe, schizophrenia, I think is one where it increases the likelihood or so. I mean, there's a gene, you, you know, there's a gene for. Um, there's
1: There are a lot of things where there's a predilection. If you have right. a gene, you are in, like, even breast cancer. So people now, that's the big one that people know, right? Angelina Jolie made it, you know, big news several years ago, she had either BRCA1 or BRCA2, probably BRCA1. So if you have a mutation in your BRCA gene, everyone has the BRCA gene, but if you have a certain mutation in that or a variation in that gene, you are at higher risk to get breast cancer. Some studies have shown if you were living in the 1930s, same mutation, it was only a 30% risk of getting breast cancer. Now it's a 70% risk but the gene hasn't changed, right? It's everything we're exposed to, right? The chemicals in our environment, many of them, the body sees them as estrogens. So we're flooded with more estrogen. And if you also have this mutation, then that changes your effect. If you're stressed out, then your body's in fight or flight mode. The body is not supposed to be in fight or flight mode all the time. And that leads to, hyperinsulinemia, insulin resistance that leads to inflammation and inflammation leads to DNA degradation and like on and on and on it goes. So again, I'm going to bring it full circle. When you schedule time for pleasure and play, you're going to calm that sympathetic nervous system down. You're going to tell your body it's safe to live in your body. Most of us in this, there's definitely a subset zip code wise are, You know, they're living in fight or flight because their gun's going off. And it really is fight or flight. But for most of us, the fight or flight is more imagined. There is not a lion about to chew us up into pieces. It's the work deadline, it's the test, it's the argument you had with a family member. And that adrenal gland is supposed to go on and then off. And we're really supposed to be living in the rest and and relax, hang out mode. Civilization has changed. And when you think about just, if we rock the boat just a little bit towards more pleasure and stop scheduling ourselves to the minute and the T, our bodies will start to relax. The, the bowel, you know, your intestines will come back on board. You'll digest your food better. You'll get the nutrients you need. Um, and actually that'll help. If your iron is low, even if you're not anemic, you're more likely to have anxiety. If your B12, your B vitamins are low, you're more likely to have neuropsychiatric problems. If we're not digesting our food right, or we're eating and not even just McDonald's, but food with pesticides, or too much bread and too much meat and not enough of those colorful vegetables and fruits. We're not gonna get the nutrition that makes us well. And yet we don't teach children, like we don't teach people how to eat. And their moms and dads never got taught how to eat. Cereal is not good for us, for most of us, right? Milk and cereal, I grew up on cereal, right? Pop-ups. Raisin bran was a healthy yeah. cereal. You know how much sugar is in the raisins and raisin bran, right? And super sugar crisp. I love that. Wasn't really very good for my body. So.
0: Well, and, and that's just the point. Like the, the, I think from my, oh, from my psych days, I think one of the things I remember is the diathesis stress model. I think that's the one, which is basically if you have a genetic predisposition to some type of psychological um uh, illness, a stressor in your environment can trigger or activate that gene. And next thing you know, you know, you have some type of illness on your hands.
1: Yeah. Functional medicine teaches us just this. So functional medicine is a group of Western MD docs basically got together and said, you know, this name it and blame it and give a pill for every ill version of um of medicine is we're not going deep enough we're not going to the underlying causes of medicine of of what caused the disease and the underlying causes of of the disease is really oxidative damage inflammation omega-3 omega-6 imbalances methylation problems um infection inflammation right so and so many diseases actually have at their at their core, the same problem of oxidation, inflammation, mitochondria. And just, oh, when you have an inflamed bone, you get osteoporosis. When you have an inflamed joint, you get arthritis. You know, if you have an inflamed esophagus, you get reflux and heartburn. But it's all inflammation, right? So they want to put a systems approach to diseases and have us go deeper from the diagnosis. And one of the way, what I was taught was also not just asking the ACEs questionnaire, which I have been doing for many years now, but I actually timeline people's lives. What was going on when your mom was pregnant with you? How were you born? Were you born by C section or vaginal? If you were born by C section, you already got a deficit because you didn't get the microbiome from mom's vagina. Did she breastfeed? Oh, she didn't breastfeed. You didn't get the immune globulins from the milk and you didn't get the bacteria from the skin. Oh, you were two when your sibling was born. You were the king of the house until you got knocked off your pedestal and you had to share everything. How did that affect you emotionally? Oh, then you went to school and you moved and you had to make new friends. How did that affect you emotionally, right? And you start doing this Every single time before a serious illness, about six months to a year before, there was a social event that happened. And the, we have learned in our society, we don't have the language to say, I mean, we have it a little bit, but not enough to say my boundaries were crossed or my emotions are hurting. That's hysterical, right? So we have to somaticize everything and it has to show up in our physical body. So if we addressed, I had one woman, she was in her twenties. So, and she had a pretty serious illness and I'm like waiting for the timeline. Like, all right, what happened to you before this illness? And like, there was nothing. And I'm like, oh, I guess I'm wrong. You know, there's always an exception to every rule. And then we're walking to the room to get her exam after I took her history. And she said, oh, I left something out of my history. Like, oh, really what? Oh, probably doesn't matter. But there was this huge family rupture about a year ago or two years. And it was like, oh yeah, like total, total family rupture. And it showed up in her body because nobody went to go oh my God, I can't even believe what just happened in my family. My life is now upside down, backwards, inside out. I don't know what to make of life anymore, which is what we should do when social upheaval happens. But we don't often go, like my kid once said, why do, you go to the, why do we go to the pediatrician every year? Our bodies, for most children, grow normally. Why don't we go to the psychologist every year? Because negotiating our life like the teen years, high school, that's hard,
0: right? Disastrous, really.
1: (laughs) Hello, and then we're traumatized. And then we're walking around as trauma, trauma, we're individuals who have been traumatized, interacting with other people who've been traumatized and nobody knows how to communicate it out. So we working with adjunctive healers in the medical model, allows for true healing to take place. The person who has chronic pain, you fix their shoulder, it's going to come out in their neck. You fix their neck, they're going to get TMJ, right? You got to go from what's really hurting. And it's true with pain. It's true with cancer. It's true even with infections. Why does somebody get, you know, they did that. They gave people the cold virus. The, like they inoculated people's nose with the cold virus to see who came down with the cold. And it was like, if you didn't have enough sleep, but also depending on your social situation, you were more likely to get sick or not.
0: That makes sense.
1: Crazy experiment. But how many of us like, you know, you, you have two nights in a row of bad sleep, you get a cold, mm-hmm. right? Or my kids would have this, they would really good students and every vacation they got sick. It was like their body knew to hold it together. And then the minute they could rest, the poor kids got sick. So they couldn't actually enjoy the vacation, it was terrible.
0: One of the things I'm I'm glad that you highlighted was like speaking about like that trauma thing. So, and, and I mean, again, you know, trauma is something that again is subjective to the individual. Yeah. Obviously, you know, like when I think about, I mean, you know, easy comparison, you know, one of the guys that uh, I look up to as far as, um, you know, for some of the things that I'm, I'm doing uh, physically or, or athletically, maybe is David Goggins. And you look at his life story that was full of childhood abuse in a very horrific way f- for an extended period of time and just so many horrible, horrible, horrible things that happened to him. I think about, you know, my life, I've been very lucky, you know, by, you know, many different standards, very, very lucky, but there's always those things that we, we all have are, are demons. We all have those things that we have to deal with. And what's so, um, bothersome to me about Western society is you go, you got your elementary school. So, I mean, for the most part, right, you go from whatever, four five to 13, 12, 13, then you're into high school until you're 18. Then you're immediately into university. Then you get out of university and generally you start cranking out kids. Okay, hold up. Like You <laughs> just described just, my life. <laughs> yeah, like just Hang on a sec. Like you just went through, I mean, for me, high school was problematic. Um, not so much in like getting bullied or anything like that. I just hated, I mean, it was just like white knuckling through that grade 12 year because I just hated every moment of it. And whatever. But then you still have to kind of unpack that. What was it that was wrong? It's not just as simple as, oh, I hated it. It's like, no, no, unpack that. Identify yeah. and, then, and then fix that. And then you immediately go into the university thing. And, and like you pointed out, the stress of getting through, um, not even getting through, the, the, just the stress of, well, yeah, getting into a university is ridiculous. And then you're in it and it's over before you know it. And the next thing is like, what the hell is going on? Like, it just goes by so fast. And there's such an emphasis on go, 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 go. And especially in your professional life, you know, if you don't, if you're not making money by the time you're 23, 24, you're a failure, right? That's like the the kind of common held belief. Well, what the hell is that? There's a little more to it. Is it really going to make a difference if I'm 27, but emotionally and psychologically, I'm good to go? Like, that's where... But, you know, it's, it, again, it's not in a vacuum. It's all these things you have to unpack. Is your social circle good? Are you, do you have friends or do you have allies? Do you have people you can trust? Or do you have people who just want to take from you?
1: Mm-hmm. You know,
0: simple shit like that, you know, are you fulfilled in your personal life? You know, are you, do you feel if you're in a relationship, are you being, um, are you, are you experiencing pleasure in a way that makes you feel, feel fulfilled And are you providing or at least participating in that pleasure with that other person, which in itself is a great thing because you establish a a nice, um, uh, a strong emotional and psychological bond with someone. That's a great thing. So like there's so many more layers to it than just like, let's just white knuckle through like your entire life when you're emotionally immature. And you're a goofball. You don't know anything about the world, but you know, hey, let's just keep going. Like,
1: no, pause. (laughs) Well, what I was teaching this morning, right, is um, we're born and it's really miraculous that we're here. Oh yeah. The the heart, like one guy, one of my teachers said, the hardest thing you'll ever do is be born. You start from one cell and you have to grow your own body all by yourself. 75% of embryos don't make it. So the fact that we're here, like we made it. And the day one, when you're born, like everyone's ooing and eyeing and like, wow, look at this baby, it's so amazing. And all you'd have to do was be born. You were, you're, you're being, you're a human being on the planet. Day two, what's the baby doing? Is it rolling over yet? Is it peeing? Is it pooping? What's it doing? Like literally we got 24 hours to be. And then rock and roll, you got to meet your milestones. And I mean, I was, I went like total hamster wheel my whole life, right? And it, I was a lot older than you are when I started having those questions. So I'm hoping that means that the generations are learning to think about the stories we're told about how we're supposed to live our lives. At a much younger age. Um, because the stories we're told are just stories. And, you know, um, there are monkey experiments about they electrified the monkey, the top of the tree. So the monkey stopped going up to get the bananas. And like five generations later, the monkeys were still not climbing the tree until one disruptor monkey said, Why shouldn't I climb the tree? We actually inherit generations of trauma and even i mean i giggle but like when we talk about the the white male in america and europe that was the sexual blueprint and designed the medical system in certain ways in, in Rezma in his book my grandmother's hands talks about this their trauma was that they had to dissociate From their heart, body, and their energetic body, and their intuition, and all of that, to survive, because I mean, I always think Game of Thrones and the violence—you know—that they were subjected to—it was survival, and they had to be in their body to survive. Intuition, like, what's this intuition stuff? Like that wasn't part of the culture and they were taught to dissociate from their heart body like you can't be a slave owner and not be dissociated from what you're inflicting on another human being you can't you know the way the way they a lot of people even treated women right you were you owned your wife the woman wasn't allowed to own money You had to dissociate. Here you love this woman, but you're not letting her make decisions. So there's this dissociation that happens. And again, that's just civilization and their trauma of, so in freedom is slavery and in slavery is freedom. It's the same dualities of the good and the bad. And in being the king of the, in being the king, there's also imprisonment and trauma Because you have to dissociate yourself off with their head. why? You know, like the king is trying to show power and they're killing people. That's got to be, as a human being, got to dissociate from your emotions if you're willing to do that.
0: Well, and if you think about it from a historical perspective, uh, I can't remember what year world or years World War I was at, but... For anybody who doesn't really know much about World War I, I mean, look into it, huge trigger warning, because uh, that was the most horrific war ever fought. That was so sadistic that the brutality and the punishment and the damage that mm. the number of, of people that were killed was absurd. I think in World War I, um, over 50% of all men in France were killed. Oh, wow. So think about like how a nation would change according to that, let alone the the men coming back after having seen friends get killed. Yeah, the PTSD of that. There right. was no, you know, and that's the thing. They're full of, well, it was shell shock. That was the right. thing.
1: I mean, they had it. They just, we just right. told it a different Your name.
0: understanding wasn't there. And so you right. have these men coming back who are so damaged, broken in every way. And I mean, next thing you know, you fast forward 100 years, 100-ish years, and you're, you're in current day. Like, you know, that's that's the, you know, when you look at intergenerational trauma, you're not only passing along, well, and you pointed that out, you're, you're not only passing along potential trauma on a biological uh, level, like for for instance, from mother to child, just an easy one, easy example, but also psychologically, the stories that we tell our children, and like yeah. you said, those experiments which nowadays are highly unethical and would never be done. But a lot of those monkey experiments. Uh, yeah. Because that's our closest, um, you know, biological relative. Right. So, yeah, could, so
1: we have story on top of it. They didn't even have right. language and it got passed down through their cells.
0: Just observation.
1: <laughs> right. And, and we, we really, 93% of our communication is nonverbal. So, we, we pick stuff up. If you're, ta- if you're in a household and you're not allowed to express your emotion, you're not going to express your emotion. You know, I have a friend who thinks emotions. She doesn't feel them. <laughs> she literally doesn't know, she doesn't feel them. She's like that, I'm like, that's a word. That's not like, it was really interesting. But um, yeah, and we go back li- biologically three generations. So not only are we, so all of us lived in our mom, right? So we get that whatever mom was going through, we physically felt, right? But all of us were eggs. Half of us were eggs in our mom's ovary in our grandmothers. So physically we actually experienced grandma too for nine months,
0: And that's important because that, 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 that's just pure biology. Like that is, yeah, that's observable. That's not something that, that, that is a factor. That's not nothing.
1: No, it's huge. It's huge. So we have our biology. We have our biology on top of our biology, which is like the, you know, the hormones and the experience of mom and grandma. And then we have our own environment. And the thing it's funny that you should say about world war one, because pesticides came from world war one mustard gas that's right and we're all
0: exposed now so just keep that in mind yeah (laughs) yeah well and you know and and just kind of you know to sort of um you know tie it back to sort of the, the 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 blueprints um i think the biggest thing too like uh just sort of personally i mean you know when i think about I mean, when you think about what you're like when you're 19, you're an idiot, right? I mean, I think that's everybody, um, certainly for me. Um, but when you think about, okay, you know, you're going through your life, you know, and I'm, I'm 25 now. So, I mean, that's not too too long of a time I and mean, it's blink of an eye, really. Um, but when you think about like those experiences and with certain people and whatever, um, one of the things that jumps out at me with the, with the blueprints is that, first of all, it's, I mean, I got a pretty good sense of humor. So it's a lot of fun, you know, it's really fun and you can really have a, you could really mm-hmm. make a lot of jokes and stuff and poke fun and like in a constructive way, in a, in a safe way, not a like, mm-hmm. Oh, what the hell, you know, not in a judgy way, you know, but you can, um, experiment in, in sort of just the, that bonding experience and the discussion, you know? So, so getting that social network, it's even interesting too. like, wouldn't necessarily recommend it, but think about it. Like, even like with a small group of friends, that's a really, it's a really fun thing to do because it's, it's, it's funny. And especially like, again, if it's a safe, you know, they're not. Yeah. But it we need to whatever. start
1: having conversations like this and to get friends together and chat about the blueprints and chat about, cause I have fun. Like people walk in my office and I, you start, once you know it, you start seeing people through the blueprint and you start like, Oh, yeah, you you like that because your energetics coming out now or, you know, it it is fun. And again, it's um, it opens you up to a whole new way of being curious about another individual. And when we have compassion, curiosity and are willing to listen. Human to human interaction goes higher. It just vibrates higher. It's not my way is the right way or, you know, get out of here, right? It's what happened to you? Why are you this way? And, you know, I mean, there are people who can see auras. You know, they have those cameras now where you can take a picture and they show you the aura. And there are people who actually see that. Like, how cool is that? I can't see it. I can't say that they do or they don't, but they tell me they do. And why shouldn't I believe that, right?
0: And um, Just that more people are, are more, their um, radar detection uh, tools are just more finely adjusted to that. But we right. all we, experience it in some way or another. It's just- Right, valuable. we all
1: understand that animals hear at a different frequency. Why can't humans hear at a different frequency or see in different wavelengths that some, they're just gifted that way, right? We know that you know people who are blind or deaf. Right, the other senses get stronger and compensate. So why can not it be that other people have more intuitive stuff?
0: Well, and even uh, you know, an easy easy example is uh, you know a flow state from an athletic perspective, right? Or even from a from a military perspective, you're out on a mission. Time slows. Yeah, you can observe things differently. You can make decisions at a like 0.001 second you, you know the synapses are just firing at a different level but then once you come out of that flow state you're out of that flow state but again it just sort of speaks to the fact like there's a level that you can observe at you just got to be open to it and it takes practice too like to sustain yeah. you know like just from an athletic perspective to sustain a a flow state it's just practice and you know well D- disciplined and determined practice, but practice nonetheless. And, and the same principle applies. Actually, to, uh, it's also, know.
1: I think in some ways it's letting go of the outcome though.
0: Yes. it's right? So
1: that's, yeah. the, again, that's the polarity of how focused and disciplined you need to be to get to that top level, but to really reach peak, you have to be willing to let go of the outcome. Right, like you watch the guys who climbed, you know, um, what was that movie where they climbed El Capitan with no so oh, the free solo,
0: great one, the right? uh, the Dawn Wall, so good.
1: But like those folks are willing to die to act, and and it's again to fully live, right? So it's well, letting to, go,
0: it, and that, that a lot of that, um, like if anybody is familiar with like Wim Hof, you know, the Wim Hof yeah. method. You know, that's his whole whole thing is, well, not the whole thing, but that's a, an element to it is let go of your ego. It's right. your ego. Let go of that. Just surrender to it. Don't try to fight it. And and he does it through exposure to cold. Right. Like you can't fight the cold. You can't fight nature. Nature will kill you in a second. It's always looking to kill you and, and it will. It's too powerful, but you surrender to it and you 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 open yourself up to it. And you right. get stronger by engaging with it in that, in that playful manner, you go back and forth and you, you have that communication with it in a way, in a physical sense.
1: Yeah, no, it's all the same. It's mm-hmm. just the different bodies. So cool.
0: And, uh, we're kind of coming to the end yeah. here. I mean, we would been find, I love, oh God, I was so happy to, as soon as we had this one booked, I was just like, yes, I was so excited <laughs> because yeah, like I said, I mean, when I first started the podcast, this was like the fir- one of the first things that I wanted to, to talk about, because it's not something that, um, uh, you know, like from my background being in law, it's a relatively conservative group of individuals. Um, so this type of conversation is not one that you would, well, okay, you're not going to hear about in a law class, obviously, but the types of people that you're around Generally, are not even really open to this kind of thing, mm-hmm. and and even if they are open to it, there's so many. It's it's just not a thing. It's just not a they're thing.
1: They're guaranteed. They're all repressed sexual blueprints. I they're see. hiding their other blueprints. And they're they're hiding British,
0: it. So there you go. No, they're hiding <laughs> More it. More repression.
1: <laughs> but you know, yeah, it's an interesting. Yeah, laws definitely like I mean,
0: a lot like Western men. Is. Just stuck up individuals. I can say it. I'm not afraid <laughs> to say it. Yeah. But you know, and, and what's exciting is that um, anytime you can communicate something, uh, when you take it out of the, the dark and bring it into the light, anything that's kind of, oh, it's a bit uncomfortable, whatever, just like talk about it. And and this is something, it's a human thing. When you're talking about pleasure, it's a human thing. Well, it's actually, it's not even really, I mean, it, 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 all animals experience it too. You know, it's some more than others, but there's So it's, it's a biological thing and it's not something to be, um, you know, it should be something to communicate more freely and, and, you know, not like you got to go full bore, but just open a little bit, you know, take those little baby steps. I mean, luckily for me, you know, I, I just, as soon as I heard it, you know, from, I'm going to say it was the truth barrel podcast. I'm pretty sure it was with Jaya. It certainly came from her where, where I heard that. And, and so, I mean, I was immediately drawn to it it was so interesting because what you can also see um, and there's a link as well on the episode description takes you right to the quiz. Um, so you can, you know, fill out the quiz. It, it's very, you know, it doesn't take long at all. It's pretty, pretty quick. Um, but and then you, you get to see your results and it's really interesting and you can compare that and, you know, have a good discussion about it. But what's really interesting is that you can totally see it come through in your personality. You start seeing that. And once you understand yourself better, you can communicate yourself better. And particularly if you're in a, you know, romantic relationship, being able to discuss your um, turn ons and turn offs with your partner and vice versa is so critical to keeping a relationship going you know, so it's, it's just so beneficial. It's just, it's, and it's good fun. You know, you just got to
1: prioritizing play. I can't say that enough. Prioritizing play and whatever play means for you. Cause why else are we here?
0: I like it. So I think that's a good place to end. Um, Yeah. yeah, Hopefully, you know, we'll get to do one of these again, or, you know, get, uh, you know, I, I really, this is a topic that I, I really enjoy talking about. It's a lot of fun and it's just very interesting. There's so many different rabbit holes to go down. We went down a few. I think we came back out uh, full circle. Uh, At least that was the idea. But uh, yeah, I think that's a a good place to leave it. So thank you so much for coming on today. It was just fantastic speaking with you.
1: Thank you. It was fun. I love talking about this stuff.